Hey everybody, uh, it's Nick Pupo. I'm in a coffee shop somewhere in California. I don't know exactly where, um, but uh, please, I just want to say up top, rate and uh, subscribe and review this podcast. We love you. Uh, if you do that, it uh, will love you more, and it means a lot and does a lot of things for us. So uh, go ahead and please do that. Uh, the next episode after this one will be the film High Tension. That's it, everybody. Enjoy this episode. The only horror movie podcast with Nick and Joe. <laughs> I think we're on. We're on. Yes. How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah. What's been going on? Uh, well, um, a lot of stuff. Like, should we say hello yeah. to the people? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it the right way. Yeah. Why not? Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the only horror movie podcast with Nick and Joe. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Joe. And uh, I'll try not to do that thing. That oh yeah. The, thing. yeah, it's okay. I'll edit it out. Right. But if, if you guys don't know, one of the things that Joe and I both do is we go like this and I'm going to cut all those out. You won't hear them. That's the only time you're going to hear it. But yeah, it's something we're trying not to do because yeah. it adds more time for me to edit. But, you know, we're still learning. Yep. Yeah, we're getting I think we're getting better with every episode. I yeah. like to think that anyway. I think so. Yeah. We should say that we have a, a, a an email called the only horror movie pod. pod. The only more the only horror movie pod at gmail dot com. And uh, you can email us there. You can say anything you want. Uh, be nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, preferably. Yeah, that'd be cool. But you could be mean. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you know, we're stand-up comics. We can probably take it. But, you know, yeah. we're human beings with feelings, too. Yeah, and so are you. But, you know, you can give us your feedback. Tell yeah. us what you liked or don't like. If yeah. you think we can improve, I And guess. you can give us some uh, suggestions of movies you want us to watch. Yeah, that, too. All right. Well, that's good. Also, rate us five stars uh, on everything. Subscribe. Do all that stuff because it helps. Yep. Every little bit helps. Okay. Yeah. And tell your friends. Uh, this week we're doing uh, Tenebrae. Apparently it's pronounced Tenebrae. Tenebrae. I, I saw I heard that, that yeah, in the movie. Like, yeah. Because yeah, Tilda I always thought it. it was Tenebrae. For what, I don't know if I heard it pronounced that way or just right. read it. And that's how my mind did. But yeah, it's definitely uh, it's a Latin word that means total darkness. Wonderful. Yeah. Because I remember there's a character named Tilda in the film who says Tenebrae. And I was like, oh, I guess that's how you say it. They wouldn't say it wrong in the movie. Probably not. Probably yeah, not. Probably not. Uh, yeah, but yeah, man, I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm okay. I think that's a. I'm, it's fair to say that I'm okay. That's good. Yeah. Anything going on? <laughs> well, if I'm being completely honest, I I just I've. So you know, the listeners know that you and I are comedians. Yes. Right. Joe and I are comedians, and uh, I just comedy is hard. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, was it a rough set at the mic? Earlier? No, it was a great set. I had a no. great set. No, and I'm working on some new stuff, and it was um, it's very fun and exciting. But uh, there's just days where I mean, at this point, it's been 12 years for me, about a decade for you. Yep. And uh, it's just a hard thing to do, and I, I worry sometimes that it's not going to work out. I mean, you know, some people consider it the hardest job in the entertainment industry. Some people. I think professional wrestling might be a little bit harder. I agree with that. that the entertainment yeah. industry, but I think maybe comedy might be a close second. Yeah. And I don't even like, I, I'm not, I don't even know if I'm of the thought that it's the hardest thing to do in the industry. It's just, it's just what I do and what you do. And it's uh, really fucking hard. And it's like the only thing that I actually love to do 
So it just, it worries me sometimes when I think too much about it because it's fucking, it's like hard to make it as a comic. Well, yeah, but you know, like, uh, the nice thing is, is that, you know, at least the way I look at it, you can kind of set your own standard for what making it means. You know, you don't have to let external, you know, expectations or anything define what that is for you. Right. Well, I was watching this, um, the documentary the other night, uh, Max Fine suggested it and we kind of watched it at the same time, uh, on the opposite side of the country. It was kind of cute. Which documentary? There's this documentary about this guy, Rick Chrome. you know, Rick Chrome. I don't think so. So Rick Chrome is, he's like one of the early comedy seller guys. Okay. Like really, really early, but he was a lot more than that. Right. He was like, uh, he was like a, uh, he's an actor as well, but he was also like this musical theater guy and he did Broadway, but he used to do like these, he used to be like the best MC at the cellar and everyone loved him. And he was like the nicest guy and really sweet and really funny. Uh, and when, what happened? Well, well, here's the thing. Nothing really happened. Oh, okay. He's, he's living a good life. He seems happy. But one thing he said at the end of the documentary, which has been resonating my head over and over was he said, and I'm paraphrasing, I could get some of this wrong, but he says, in life, you don't get what you want and you don't get what you need. You get what you get. And a lot of times what you get is better than what you wanted. You know, he's like, I'm not, he's like, I don't have the 930 spots at the cellar anymore. He's like, but I, I have a good life. I'm an actor and, you know, I'm still a comedian and all this stuff, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to look at life that way. It's better, man. You know, like uh, I got real into stoicism and Taoism and both of those uh, schools of philosophy kind of look at life that way. You got to take the, you know, take the universe as it is, not how you want it to be. And, you know, things will never turn out quite the way you think they will. Yeah. Uh, but it's better just to accept life on life's terms. You know what I mean? Totally. I, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a hard thing. to sw- It's a hard pill to swallow. It is, you know, but it's like, but it is the re- way to live. It's the better way to live. And we're getting really deep on this podcast, but yeah, well, you know, we'll get real deep in this movie too. Cause this one has a lot of depth. Yeah. No, I'm psyched uh, about it. But yeah, I just, I, I also bought a book on stoicism. Oh, uh, nice. That I'm gonna, uh, I, I don't know, but it's okay. in my room right now, but yeah, I'm trying to get into philosophy, not too far into it. I feel like I could get too far into it and kind of lose my mind a little bit. Yeah, they say that, but I've gone pretty far down the rabbit hole and I lost my mind without philosophy being in my life at all. So, yeah, you know, same. like, uh, you don't need philosophy to do that, but it right. can actually help because a lot of those people may have lost their mind at some point or another. And a lot of them came back from it. Yeah. No, um, I think it's good. I think it's good to go deep and then come out and, and see how you are. Yeah. Some, some of the Stoics are kind of a bummer to me, but my favorite is, uh, uh, Chrysippus or Chrysippus, depending, I don't know how you pronounce it. Sure. But he was the, uh, Greek Stoic who supposedly, uh, died laughing. Oh, nice. I think the story was that like, uh, donkey started eating his dates or something, or like it, you know, it ate some fermented dates and got real messed up and he just, uh, laughed until he died. That's how the story goes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I was like, that's how I want to go out. Oh, for sure. That or just, you know, like covered in spiders or something like awesome. Oh no, not that one. Not for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Why those well, you are know, the, to each why, their own. Why are those the two things? It's, I, you know, I don't know. Because <laughs> one seems fun and the other one just seems, uh, you know, so intense. Right. Like, yeah. Sure. It's, so it's the intensity that you want. Yeah. You yeah. know. You want your adrenaline to be pumping. It doesn't really matter what happens. Well, you know, no, specifically spiders. <laughs> I, I read that. I read that somewhere today. Like yeah. spiders just burst out of you. And I yeah. Was like, right. Yeah, right. That sounds... 
That yeah, sounds like my like, style. That's like when uh, that's like when they hatch inside of you, right? Yeah. No, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, as you know, as often happens, it happens all the time. It doesn't actually. Or are you fucking with me? I don't know. It yeah. might. <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, I mean, I hope that you go out either way. Thanks. Yeah, you know, yeah. I really do. If that's what you other, want, anything else will be a disappointment. Sure. I mean, it, it might be anything else. Just so you know. Nope. All right. It has to. It could. All right. If you can, if you manifest Learn it, no less, you know? Yeah. You just have to manifest your own death. I'm just going to try, you know, when I get old to just laugh really, really hard. Way too hard. Yeah. Excessively. Well, just I feel like at this point, if you did die from spiders, you would laugh about it. That's true. Because you'd be like, wow, I can't believe that I'm finally, this is happening. That would be, that'd be kind of a meta <laughs> kind yeah. of, you know, a little bit like this movie. Yeah. That we're about, we're about to talk about. Tenebrae. Yeah. Tenebrae, they say. Yep. Uh, I liked it. Okay. I thought it was good. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I okay, thought I, I thought it was good. I um, I think that when I was watching it, for the most part, I was like, I don't know how much I like this movie. Was big fan of the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed the end. And then going back through my notes and stuff, I was like, oh, no, I did. I did like this. I thought I thought it was, was well done. Yeah, it kind of... I, I feel like I had a similar experience. I watched it for, for the first time, like... Uh, I don't know, in the last year sometime. And I was like, eh, I'm not totally sure about it. But then by the end, I was on board, I think. Yeah. And it's got some great moments, uh, some good lines, some some good, some pretty... I'm, I know I'm always commenting about the acting. Some pretty good acting. Yeah. Uh, and some pretty terrible acting. Yeah, nice mix of both. Nice mix of... And they had a, a lot of uh, boobs in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I'm not going to complain about. Argenzo's most erotic movie to date when he made it. Argenzo? Yeah. Is he, so he's uh he's Italian. Yep. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So did you watch the one that you watch cuz there were moments where I was like I can't tell if this is dubbed or not. Yeah, it was uh it was dubbed. It yeah, was dubbed. Yeah. Uh it actually interesting thing about that is like uh I think it was Mussolini codified into law that uh all Italian movies had to be dubbed. So they never recorded audio on uh on set. No fucking way. Every so every Italian movie up through the 90s, I think, was dubbed. Sort of had to be starting from a certain point, right? Starting during, you know, Mussolini. Mussolini. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they might have done it like before then, but right, he right. was like, yeah. And by the way, you know, the law is you have to dub every movie. Wow. What a weird, uh, what was it? Do you know his reasoning for that? He just, I don't, because he, he was a like fascist, a, I think, you know. Yeah, right. He just, just like, like to make rules yeah, for everything. Yeah, sure. That's good enough for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, in terms of scary, I don't know. I didn't think it was that scary. No, really? I, no. I remember thinking it was when I first saw it. But. No, I, I, I didn't get that. I actually think it was of the movies we've watched. I mean, maybe the least scary. Interesting reaction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe Phantasm is, is a little close. I would, I, but I would put scary scale close to Phantasm for me. It was, very, oh, really? it was okay. low. Yeah. Interesting. But I was into it. I was into the story. But I, it, there's a lot of things that I want to comment on, you know? Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to comment on on this yeah. one, you know? And like, uh, this one, you know, is the first one that I think like, uh, film theory people have analyzed deeply too. So we can get into a bit of that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause I have, I have some film things that I want to talk about with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. Uh, cool. So how do you want to, you want to want to jump into it? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about before we, <sighs> I would like to mention, just that uh, I've been uh, had those acupuncture appointments. Oh yeah, please tell me about it. For the first one especially, all I could think about was Hellraiser. Yes, absolutely, of course. Because I was just full of fucking full of, needles. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then they What's attach electrodes to him. Uh, pinhead. Pinhead. That's right. Your pinhead. Or priest or lead cenobite, depending yes, yes. on where you. So they had him in your head. Kind of. Yeah. Not, well, like in the more like in the side and 
back of my head, like kind of like around my jaw and my ear and wow. also like, uh, in my, like in my traps and some of the chest, some right in the belly, some yeah. of my calves. Wow. Yeah. It was like, uh, so you, what was your intense experience? Why'd you go, uh, to help with my tinnitus and it has been helping. Oh, good. You know, it's like been significantly reduced already in just two sessions. Wow. Incredible. So, so did yeah. you go to a doctor yet? Uh, this guy is technically a doctor, but he's like a doctor of Eastern kind of like, uh, Chinese medicine specifically. Okay. Uh, was this the guy you were planning on going to? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Real good. Good. You know? That's great. But, uh, so the yeah. ringing has subsided a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's like barely noticeable now when it was like really pretty bad before. Like all so, like 24 seven, uh, for a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It would like, sometimes it would like sort of fade for a while and then like I'd be in a loud environment and it would come back. Right. Uh, but it hasn't gotten any more intense than like, you know, it's like a one out of five now where it was like a two or three up to a four sometimes like on the scale. Whoa. So you're all, you're all over, you got the sunburn. You get the tinnitus. Yeah. Yeah. A lot going on. Yeah. yeah. It's not good. Natural th- the uh, occurrences in the world are fucking your body up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, well, the tinnitus was pretty unnatural. It was caused by a metal show. Sure. Totally. That's but, not God's plan. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, you know, I had to do that. Like, uh, I had to call back to Hellraiser cause it really like, you just have all these needles sticking out. Yeah. Of yeah. And all you can think about is pinhead. Yeah. And you want to talk to the guy about it. He's like, oh, well, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, he, he liked my reanimator shirt, but he didn't, uh, he didn't get the reference. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. That's surprising to me. I feel like reanimator is a, a deeper cut. Am yeah. I wrong? Oh, he, he didn't know what it was. Oh, no. he just thought it was yeah, he's okay. like He just noticed the syringe on it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm a doctor. I like these kind of things. I stick needles in yeah. people, you know. Right on. So he's a needle guy, but not a horror guy. Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're healing up. Yeah, thanks. Me too. Yeah. It, you know, it makes this whole podcasting experience a lot better. That's right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get into this. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Right? All right. So guys, Tenebre. Tenebre. Tenebrae, yeah, it came out in uh, 1982. Yeah, uh, written directed by Dario Argento, one of the most famous Italian horror directors, maybe the most famous. Yeah, uh, especially during the 70s and 80s. It stars Anthony Franciosa, Dario Nicolodi, Giuliano Gemma, and John Saxon. Two of those are American actors who just happen to speak fluent Italian. Right, but it didn't matter um, though. Nope. nope. Right. Well, I think uh, I think the, John Saxon dubbed his own voice. Oh, okay. I, I think they yeah. I think they dubbed their own voices. Uh, Good. Which okay. Is a weird thing. Sure. Well, let's jump into it. All right. So, Tenebrae. We open on a shot of a book by Peter Neal called Tenebrae being flipped through next to a fire. Right. A voice reads: "The impulse had become irresistible. There was only one answer to the fury that tortured him, and so he committed his first act of murder." He had broke the most deep-rooted taboo and found not guilt, not anxiety, or fear, but freedom. Every humiliation which stood in his way could be swept aside by this simple act of annihilation. Murder. Yeah. And that's how we open up. That's how, you know, the movie's going to involve a lot of murder. Yeah, you know that. You know that you're about to meet somebody, a man or a woman, somebody who's about to murder some people. Yeah, and, and Tenebrae is a, it's a giallo, uh, is the what the genre of the movie would be giallo yeah it was a italian specific italian genre of like kind of horror mostly horror thrillers which is kind of like uh tenebrae is considered one of the the greatest and also one of the last ones ever made it started like in the 60s with the mario baba movie i can't remember the name of oh interesting but there's like maybe hundreds of giallo uh, movies and they all are like really stylish extremely violent italian like horror thriller movies and they kind of include like suspiria and some of the supernatural stuff too but Nice. They were sort of like a progenitor, is that the word, to uh, American slasher movies. Like, you okay. 
like uh, a precessor kind of yeah like yeah. a predecessor, predecessor yeah basically pre- like uh or predecessor pre- yeah. predecessor <laughs> sounds like we don't know these words yeah well maybe you know you can on your other word podcast you can go yeah yeah one. right all right so so the book is tossed into the fire and the title screen and opening music and credits and we're off right great music i'm into the music yeah super 80s big synths yeah the score is awesome the score uh, is really tight three of the members of the band goblin which did a ton of these movies like a ton of the giallo movies were all scored by goblin who were like an italian kind of like prog rock hell yeah disco band yeah i uh, love that but they didn't credit as goblin because there was one guy who wasn't present for this one. Oh, so it's just the three guys yeah. Just that's what they credited us. Yeah. That's a yeah. bummer. Uh, the main one, though, is Claudio Simonetti. And like later, sometimes it gets referred to as Claudio Simonetti's Goblin. He's still active, too. You can follow him on Instagram. Hell yeah, Claudio. Hope you're doing good. So we cut to a man riding on a bike through New York traffic in a blue tracksuit. He arrives at the Kennedy Airport. Our guy, this is Peter Neal. This is the book writer. Uh, he gets changed into a business suit, and he's immediately called into customer service at the airport. He's on the phone with his, uh, sounds like his lover, his wife, uh, fiance, Jane, right? So he's talking to Jane on the phone. She seems kind of upset. He says he's going to be gone for like six weeks. I think that's kind of why she's bummed out because he's on his way to Rome. So after the call, he realizes that his bag has been moved, right? Because we see oh, a suspicious oh, yeah. we see a, a suspicious lady watching him. And then she notifies another suspicious lady who's in a toll booth wearing sunglasses. And so after his bag's moved, he's like, that's weird. I didn't move it over here. I thought I was here, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I missed that detail. Uh, yeah. Know. But then he, pay, he picks up his bag and he takes off. And it's kind of implied something happened to the bag. We don't really know, but there's something in there. We're in Rome and there's a, a man who's watching this attractive woman in a bookstore and she's looking at books, right? She picks up a copy of Tenebrae as she reads it. And then she tries to... Uh, Do we see the guy or is this a point of view? Right. So that's one thing. We, we got, Maybe we can cut that part out. But I did, th- I did think I, that there was a man who was watching a woman... We see the man. Okay. Uh, but then we cut to uh, a POV of like a spooky, heavy breathing character that's watching this woman, right? Yeah. She tries to steal a copy of this book and she's immediately uh, apprehended by security. She denies everything. She, they take her away to the security office. Uh, the security officer's like, hey, you got a record? Like, this is kind of your thing. And she is like, hey, let's make a deal. I'll fuck you if you let me go, right? Is that kind of what's implied? Yeah, right. yeah, it is. That's she's basically like, what she says. Like, yeah, she's yeah, she like, gives them her, her uh, address, right? Yeah, she's like, come on over. And then she says, uh, if you don't do it, you're gay. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, uh, well, I'm not gay, you know? So he takes her number and uh, her address and all that stuff and lets her go. Who would have known that's how you got out of shoplifting her? You know? I mean, that's how I, because I got arrested for shoplifting when I was a kid. And you said... And you called the guy gay? And no, no. <laughs> it's just a missed opportunity, but I should have. Oh, yeah. So, cut to Peter on a plane who's sleeping. We see a shot of the bag. We're just wondering what's in that bag. Yeah. Just got to know. a lot of like uh, those close up on object, you know. Yeah, yeah. Giving we, significance to objects. Trying to show the audience like, hey, you want to know what's in there? We, we don't everyone wants to know. So, back to the shoplifter lady who heads home. Her name's Carla. She's walking by like this fence and then she's grabbed through the fence by this homeless guy in broad daylight. And he's like super aggressive and he tries to assault her. And then he chases after her yeah. and, and she, he just, she, and he falls down <laughs> and then she kicks him in the balls two times real hard, which is great. Good yeah, for her. You know, that's how you got to do it. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't hold back in a self-defense situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I've, I've known that, uh, you know, kicking a man in the balls is a clear defense. It's a very obvious kind of shot, but doing it twice. I mean, boy, oh boy. 
that's really like drives it home. Like, oh, yeah. hey, don't mess with me, man. Yeah. Because one, I'll you, fuck you up. One, you could, you could, like, if you just do one, you could kind of clip them or something. But two, I mean, the chances of you really getting in there. Yeah. You know, and it's going to hurt twice as bad, you know, if you've ever been hit in the nuts. Yeah. And it really is. I think if, if you're a woman listening to this, and I hope we have some uh, women listening to this, uh, it's the worst pain uh, that a man can feel. Uh, also, at one point, he calls her a pig face, which is just inaccurate. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. she's beautiful. She's yeah, like a right? model. Yeah, all the women in this movie are gorgeous. They're so. fucking gorgeous. It's the worst insult. That's always a weird insult when someone calls someone ugly, and you're like, they're incredible. Yeah, right. So then she gets inside, and she starts to inside of her home, and then she starts to undress. Now she's got no pants on. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah, right. That's just what women do. You immediately use as soon as you step inside your house, you just start taking your clothes off. Yeah. I mean, I do it. I get into my shorts and stuff, but like this is it just feels very. Yeah. yeah. It feels very much like of the move of a horror movie in the 80s. It's like, let's get her pants off. Oh, yeah. Because uh, she just needs to have her pants off. Yeah. And some of that was Argento directly responding to his critics, you know, who were calling him misogynist and stuff. And you're saying like, oh, you're always just like killing hot women and stuff. And so he kind of like just leaned in. Like, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, so now she's like looking around her house. She's a little suspicious. She's kind of feeling weird. She sees a neighbor, says hi to her from across the, the, the way. And then the homeless guy pops in the window and she jumps back. But then when she jumps back against the wall, she's grabbed by a, a pair of, uh, bla- of hands with black gloves on. Right. And then that, that pair of gloves starts shoving tenebrae into her mouth. Yeah. Like ripping out pages, or- ripping out pages and just sho- shoving them in there. And then uh, really violently too. It's really pretty, like it's aggressive. Scene. Yeah, it's uh, very misogynistic. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then he he takes out a blade and then cuts her throat. Yeah, straight razor. Straight razor cuts her throat with the straight razor. For me, is the the worst. What do you mean? I don't know. Like uh, I have a, a thing with straight razors. They really creep me out. Yeah. Well, there's a movie, uh, Eastern Promises. Yeah. You seen that one? Years ago. Yeah, but there's this scene where a guy's giving some guy a shave. And then he just pulls his head back and then cuts his throat. And I, I, I kind of oh, assume. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a few of those. And uh, yeah. it was pretty uh, nasty one in Drive. and Oh, Drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah they, they creep me out, especially, you know, long story about when I was a tour guide in Hollywood. And, you know, there was uh, disturbing stories about, uh, you know, a guy who slit his wrists in a projection booth. And then every ever since straight razors creeped the hell out of me. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I had to go to therapy about it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, it was bad. Well, sorry that we're going to be talking about him a lot more. Oh, no, it's fine. Um, I'm, I'm over it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, in a good place. Therapy. Everyone should go to therapy. All right. So we're back with Peter who gets off the plane and he's swarmed by uh, paparazzi, right? Then a woman comes up and kisses him and he's like, hey, how can you keep saying bad things about me? You know, so it's like clear that there's kind of like she's a reporter who kind of like writes some puff pieces, but they know each other. And this is Tilda. So. Then we see someone drop an envelope. We see that kind of crazy POV, you know, creepy character. And they're dropping an envelope under a hotel door or like an apartment door. Now, Peter's in an interviewing room, right? So he's being interviewed about his writing process. And then that woman, Tilda, comes over and she asks, hey, uh, how come Tenebrae? It's a sexist novel. Yeah. So yeah. this feels kind of like calling back to what the director. Yeah. And, and you know, people said that like uh, Peter Neal might have been the character that Argento identified most with. Sure. You know? Yeah, that makes so, sense. So like. Yeah, this, you know, they say this kind of movie was like a little bit of him going like, you know, what if I, you know. Totally. Okay. Fascinating. So Peter denies that it's sexist. He says, uh, hey, also, why are you being like this? We've known each other for so long. I support equal rights, you know, classic like dude thing to yeah, say. Yeah, classic deflection. <laughs> uh, I have a black friend. Yeah, right, I can't right. can't be racist. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and he said, and then a man in a suit comes by and this is his agent, right? And he says, hey, tell the, how about this? Pretty much he's like, Sh- shut up and mm-hmm. uh, maybe just get your own interview sometime and, and stop. And uh, at one point we see like this thin mustached man in the, in the corner who's kind of like watching all this stuff happen. And the agent, Peter Played walks- by John Saxon, the great John Saxon, who will- We'll see him on a lot of movies coming up. So He's Peter, a, okay. So wait, I'm sorry. So the agent's played by John the Saxon. Agent is, yeah, um, Peter's played by Anthony Franciosa, who is a, a famous method actor who uh, would have had a great career, except uh, directors hated him because he was a huge dickhead. Oh fuck! All right, well that's too bad because I did like him, but I could see how he could be a dick. Sometimes you just see it in their eyes. So yeah. Peter is walking out with his agent and uh, <laughs> Bol- Bulmer, and Bulmer says uh, those those dykes want you by your balls, right? So. Um, it kind of back to the sexism thing, which, you know, it happens. Yeah. Is that where the hat bit happens? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I wrote the hat bit in and then I wrote it. I just took it out because I was like, it doesn't ever come back. There's no reason for it. It's just a fun little fucking bit where but he puts <laughs> on a fedora. And he, yeah. And he's like, and then uh, Peter's like, hey, what's with the hat? And he's like, does, isn't it? Is it too warm? And he's like, no, you want to try? And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, but doesn't it fall off? You know, when you like move your head around. Yeah. And then he starts swiveling his head yeah, around. Kind of whips his head around a little bit. Right. Real detour from anything yeah. that happens in the movie. Just, I think, in there just as a, why not? Why not? <laughs> and they call it back once, like where his hat is like on a cart, like a food cart or something. And someone starts wheeling it away. And he's like, my hat. Oh. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so his agent's like, the book's been a bestseller for 12 weeks. This is, we're doing great. Peter's like, by the way, who is that uh, creepy mustache guy in the corner? And Bulmer's like, oh, he's a book reviewer. His name is Cristiano Berti. And he's a big fan of yours. And we tape a show with him on Friday, right? So then Anne drives up. Anne is uh, his secretary, correct? Yeah, or assistant, something like that. Yeah. And he's with, uh, the secretary's with Gianni, who's Bulmer's assistant. And yeah, that's the young young dude, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, uh, you know, Bulmer's like, one day this guy's going to be a big agent. And then uh, Peter's like, what do you pay him in promises, you know? Uh, which I thought was a pretty good line. Yeah. So then... Uh, Peter says he has, he has a gift for Anne, and he goes to get the gift out of his bag, but the insides of the bag are totally destroyed. Everything yeah, is vandalized. Everything's like shredded, shredded and dirty. And- yeah, it's got like black stuff all over it, and yeah. then the wo- the watch, which he got for Anne, is ruined. So then they get into their room, which is, I guess it's an apartment, right? Yeah, I think so. Because I thought it was a hotel, but at some, at some point they keep calling it an apartment. But when they get to their room, they're met by two detectives who mm-hmm. are just in their room, I think. Yeah, they're just waiting, right? Yeah, they're just waiting in the room, which I thought was a little bit forward, a little too forward. I understand they're detectives, but it's like, let them settle in. Yeah, you know, you think you should at least knock and be polite until you have a warrant. Right. Yes. You should just wait outside for a moment. So it's Detective Germani. That's the man. And then there's uh, Altieri, who's the woman. Uh, They ask him about this woman who was murdered. And he's like, well, why did you come to me? And they're like, well, because she had pages of your book shoved in her mouth. And uh, he's like, well, if you if, if the somebody kills himself with the Smith and Wesson, you go to the Smith and Wesson, you know, you go to those people. Maybe they should, you know, right. Maybe they should. I mean, that it's would be actually, you know, it's a pretty good point. The, the, the detectives say that the murder was similar to murders described in Peter's book. Then they say that there's a, an envelope that was delivered and it was for Peter. And then Peter opens the envelope and it says there was only one impulse that tortured him. And that's a line from Peter's book. So Germani keeps the envelope, says uh, there's probably more coming. There's probably going to be more of this. So give us a call if anything happens. So Peter suddenly gets a call in that moment, right before the detectives leave. He picks it up and it's a whispering, sounds like a woman on the phone. It's like a, it's a very feminine, 
a whispery voice and it says not anxiety or fear but freedom and these are the words that we heard in the beginning of the movie yeah i thought it was kind of like a creepy scratchy whispery voice yeah yeah kind of creepy scratchy whisper i i i registered as as female but uh i'm a sexist you know so well yeah uh, so he tries to keep her on the phone and the de- detectives are like, okay, the voice says, I can see you right now. I can see you from the window and that woman that you're with and she'll be next. And the detectives run out and the, we got like this big uh, 80s detective music comes on like, you know, really fun. Yeah, yeah. And they're running out just with their guns waving around. That's oh, yeah. One thing about their guns. Doesn't she just point her gun at a random car and <laughs> yeah. like cause them almost crash? Yeah, like, yeah. The guy like is driving and he, he just swerves off the road into a tree. And then yeah. they're like, damn, he's gone. And they like don't. <laughs> so it. many just random car accidents in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think, that's like, right. There's another know. one later. Yeah, yeah. Well, this world is supposed to be very chaotic and, it, and it's it doesn't really register, but Argento said it's supposed to be set in like a, a post-apocalyptic near future. That doesn't feel like that was, at all. Yeah. It's like, he's like, yeah, there's like a nuclear bomb or something and everyone's yeah. trying to forget about it. Everyone sucks at driving. The you population's know? <laughs> smaller and everybody's right. rich. Yeah, like, sure. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't get that at all. It just seemed like a normal place. So yeah, I don't think that's what everyone was like. Yeah. All right, dude. But. Right. And so Maybe now that's what he's going. For. Yeah, sure, man. Whatever you want. You're the fucking artist. So we cut to a silhouette of a man. Right. We see on the wall of like it looks like a bathroom wall. There's like the silhouette of a, of a like a burly dude. And he's like in agony. It seems, yeah. Right? He's like groaning and like just fucking like clearly dealing with some type of cognitive dissonance, psychological issue he can't handle. Yeah. And we're witnessing this and there's like some pills, right? We got a shot of like these two or three white pills. Yep. And, uh, and then we cut to a woman on a beach and she's sexy, you know, she's putting her clothes. She looks like she's putting her clothes back on. Uh, and there's like this semicircle of men that are just very, very close to her watching her. And she wanders away and she's beckoning them to follow. And, uh, and the men will follow because it's a horny men. And if it's a sexy yeah. lady and they're beckoning you, you're going to follow them. So she starts taking her clothes off. She Especially, ex- yeah, the, you know, three young, maybe Italian dudes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where Italian guys, I have heard, I'm Italian, but Italian guys in Italy are like super horny and super aggressive. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the stereotype, you know. Right. Uh, makes me proud. So she starts taking her clothes off. She exposes a breast. Then she gets down on her knees. And then one man approaches, she caresses that guy. Another approaches, she caresses him. Another... And she's like, it looks like it does. I mean, not to be too crude, but it looks like the beginning of a porn. You know, she's like on her knees and it's like getting very aggressive. And then uh, another man uh, walks up and then slaps her across the face so hard that she bleeds. Yeah. And the the man who slapped her just immediately takes off just the sucker punch. Then she takes off and he takes off. And then all the other guys go chase her. Cowardly move. Right. All yeah. All the other guys go chase him down. And uh and then tackle him and hold him down. And then the woman comes over and just starts kicking the shit out of this guy with her red heels. Yeah. And then she takes one of her red heels and just shoves it down his throat. Yep. Like kind of, uh, you know, they, people have described it as like a oral rape with a, like a heel. Like people a have described heel. this moment. Yeah. Like oh. critics and other. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it technically is that. Yes. Yeah. Right on. I'll never forget those words. <laughs> no, it's uh Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then we fade. And also, sorry for saying that. No, <laughs> no, the, the, you're quoting. Uh, so then, uh, so then we fade back to that silhouette, and it, it's almost like this man climax. It's like it's like fades back to him, and then he's just kind of like calmed down, right? Uh, now we're in the, a nice uh, like a hotel lobby with an arcade in it. A little bit odd, but it's like this nice fancy restaurant with two random arcade 
games. games. Yeah. There. And there's like these two super eighties buff dudes and uh, they're playing the games. And Tilda is with a woman who seems to be like a kind of a call girl of sorts. You know, she's like very scantily dressed and she's like, you know, she wants to hit on one of these guys who's playing the video game. Yeah. She's got like, doesn't she have like a nipple that's like half hanging out like throughout the scene? Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know if I noticed it then, but you could be right. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she's very. I definitely like, noticed it. Yeah. Okay, cool. You're like, no, no I'm telling you that this is what happened. Yeah, yeah. But she's trying to get the attention of one of these guys. So she says she's going to, she t- says to Tilda, she's like, I'm going to take this man back to our place and fuck him pretty much. And, and uh, Tilda's like, all right, whatever. He seems like an idiot. But then she gives Tilda a kiss. And Tilda is, is frustrated. She doesn't really reciprocate. She's like, yeah, you, you kissing me, but I'm not really kissing you back. Yeah. And Tilda, Tilda was the girl who criticized the book for being sexist, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now, and thanks for, yeah, thanks for reminding everybody of that. <sighs> I was making sure for myself, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of got that vibe. These characters, like one thing about this movie is that like all the major characters have sort of a doppelganger. Right. And there's like always somebody who looks almost exactly like them and is dressed almost exactly like them at some point. And yeah. Like, you know, people are wearing like, like, you know, the same article of clothing on yeah. different people and stuff. And we also have like the names like Germani and Gianni and all these different, it's just kind of like, yeah, well, yeah, it was done intentionally. You know, there's supposed to be like a theme of duality and it's also sort of like a, like self-reflexive meta like horror movie kind of like predecessor to scream and Wes Craven's new nightmare and a lot of like modern slashers that oh. use a similar device. Oh, interesting. Where they're like, you know, like scream is a, a slasher movie about slasher movies. Right, 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 like right. Tenebrae is a giallo uh, about gialli, which is the, the plural version of giallo. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. This is getting deep. So then the lady Tilda's friend, we think right leaves with this guy and then Tilda's like accosted by this Italian guy who's just a very you know he doesn't come back he's not important but he's just kind of like hey what's going on and then we cut so we're back with Peter at the apartment with Anna he invites Anna in for a nightcap then we're back with Tilda at her place getting home right so Tilda gets home and her friend is at the top of the stairs and her boobs are out yeah just out no real reason <laughs> I just like when tits uh, are out for no reason yeah, well, you know, that's what they call uh, gratuitous nudity. Right. You know, it's like, uh, there's a reason they call these exploitation movies. You sure. know, it's like, you're exploiting sex and violence. Right. Like, I mean, in a way, uh, it makes it feel kind of more real. But at the same time, you're like, but it's a, but the idea that it's happening in the movie is an intentional. Yeah. So it's like, it's funny because like, if you're like with uh if you're living with somebody, if you're living with a female and she has her boobs out, you know, that's a pretty common, that'll happen, you know? Yeah. But it's not like in the movies, it's just like, hey, could we get the, could you expose your tit? Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. You know, like, uh, I guess Italians are a little less hung up on that than we are, you know, totally. there's a lot more topless beaches and stuff over there. It's not yeah. as big of a deal. Maybe I'm commenting but too it, much. It's well, no, it's, it's, it's definitely done on purpose. Totally. You know, like, cause they, the part of it is like, you know, critics accusing Argento of being misogynist <laughs> right. and sexist. Yeah, yeah, right, and right. Like, We're back to that thing. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, well, but as many tits as yeah. possible in this movie then just. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, Argento. Okay. So, uh, the friends oh, like also just, sorry, weird uh, sidebar. Uh, one of his later movies, mother's uh, mother of tears, uh, features a topless scene with his own daughter. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. Asia Argento. No. Like, you see her tits in that movie. And I was just like, whoa, no. All right. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, right? That's that's like strange. That. Yeah. Not a big fan of Argento anymore. Yeah. Uh, okay. So her friend's like, hey, you coming upstairs? And uh, 
Tilda's like, whatever, fuck you, you're a cheap hooker. You know, she's just, and it kind of, kind of comes, becomes clear that it's like, you know, after the kiss and after this, it's like, oh, they're lovers, right? So, yeah. And earlier one, they called them uh, lesbians and stuff earlier. Yeah. No. So the one girl's bi and, yeah, well, yeah. One's yeah. a lesbian, I think. Right. So the woman says, you know what? Well, fuck you. Uh, the guy was way better than you are ever in bed. And then Tilda's like, fucking brutal. They, it's just an awful thing to say. And then she like slams the door on her and like, uh, you know, the lady goes back upstairs and Tilda holds on a pa- on, onto a pair of scissors and she looks at the scissors. She says, one day. Right. Which <laughs> like, for no, okay. No, like, <laughs> yeah, because we, we know what's about to happen. That seems like, uh, you know, that's like, uh, kind of people who do domestic violence, right. like, you know, kill their partners, right. say shit like that. It's like, a weird note on her for her to go out on. Yeah. It seems like, you know, cause she was like, I don't know. I don't think she was supposed to be sympathetic. Cause I think like, you know, society had widely like a negative view of feminists like at that point you know like it was not a mainstream thing Uh uh-huh so like i think they you know i think she was supposed to be an unsympathetic character sure i guess that makes her you know it was like we're in 2022 we wouldn't necessarily see it that way until she said she's gonna stab her right fucking (laughs) yeah it was just a weird kind of tag in on the end of just like well okay maybe she's gonna murder this lady yeah so then uh the intro music starts playing from the beginning of the movie and then this, here's this thing that we got to talk about, right? So the camera pulls out from where Tilda is, and then it yep. goes up the side of the building really yeah. slowly. And then it goes, I'm talking slow. Yes. So then we go really, really slowly. We just see kind of like concrete, 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 concrete. Then we see uh, the the lady up in, upstairs, and she's putting on a record, kind of implying like, well, she just put on this intro music, and that's what's playing. It's super yeah, loud. Yeah, yeah. And then we kind of stay on her for a minute and then she goes into the other room and then we just go up more yeah, with so the camera. Like, yeah. This camera is like a, it's like a crane shot just moving a, like up the whole side of the building across yes. the roof. It goes like, on the roof. It, I mean, it feels like close up of roof tiles. Like it feels like there's like a camera guy, like dangling from a cheap rope or something. Yeah. And there, it's like, it's the slowest kind of shaky but there's like a point where I think it's like 30 seconds to maybe like 45 seconds of just roof tiles. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes on to the, I think the other side of the, or like just on another, it just goes down. It's like the the roof tile part. I was just like, what? Yeah. It's like this weird thing where it's like, is it a POV shot from the killer? Like who's just like the greatest parkour right. like, person? Like, and you also know, the person? slowest? Yeah, it's like, like he's a sloth. Just yeah, right. Up he's the, just like like a slow motion Spider Man crawling around yeah. this building. It doesn't make any sense. But I, I mean, I was like, I mean, at, at least this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. Yeah, and then uh, it, it it like kind of creeps back down one side of the house, and then it's we see someone breaking in. Yeah. Right. So we see someone breaking in through this building. Yeah. That shot, like, uh, you know, it divides people. Some people think it's like the greatest shot in the world and others are just like, what the fuck is this? I think it's just an excuse to jam that whole uh, goblin song, you know? Sure. I mean, that might be it. I mean, but it, it cause it, and just add style. There's a part also where the camera I noticed like does like a 360 degree and like you know, in film school, they claim that is supposed to like disorient the audience, kind of feel like the world is going like topsy turvy. Right. Okay. So, you know, if you want to get real nerdy with that. But sure. I mean, there's a couple other camera things that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, a lot of moving camera in this, a lot of tracking shots, a lot of, yeah. 
So now the the killer's breaking in through this window and Tilda's like in her room fuming about the music being too loud. And then we hear this whispering voice similar to the one over the phone. And it says, filthy, slimy pervert. And then Tilda's murdered. She's slashed again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it like cuts through like her like shirt or yeah. something first, right? Yeah, it cuts through her shirt. She and tries you to struggle. see her face like through the hole. <laughs> like, yes, that's right. Interesting shot. And yeah. then she, her throat's cut. The call girl turns off the music. She hears something. Uh, now we see more of her tits. Uh, she still hasn't put those away. And uh, she's walking down the stairs and calls for Tilda. Oh, and then we get a shot of like the blade, sh- like working its way into like this like light bulb. Yeah, he's like smashing a light bulb with the blade. Yeah, with the blade, and then it like takes the power out or at least the light. It's a short circuit or something, right? And then the call girl sees. Sure. Yeah, right. And then the call girl sees Tilda murdered, and she starts to run, but then she's murdered as well. And then more pictures are taken. We mentioned that before with the first murder. The pictures are taken. Yeah, I don't know if we did, but it's, it's I don't know important. If we did, but yeah, yeah like it's the killer important. is like taking photos of his victims after. Right. And sorry, I didn't mention that before, but there are pictures being taken of every murder of, of their victims. We don't know the gender of the killer yet, but it's a dude, obviously. Right. So now we're in the dark room of the killer. There's photos up everywhere. They're cleaning their blade under running water. Uh, now we cut. We're with the landlord of the apartment who gets a call from Peter, and he's like, "Oh, there's something wrong with your water." So he tells his daughter Maria, uh, "Go help Peter with his water." Uh, yeah, sends a teenage girl in a skirt. That's his plumber. Yep. And uh, so she goes up to the apartment. That's right. I didn't think about that. She has no tools. No, no. No she tools. Just, she's just like, yeah, I'm like a high school, uh, you know, cheerleader type uh, who also just, uh, you know, I'm a plumber. Right. Pick 17. <laughs> I have no skills at all. So when she arrives, Peter's like thrilled. You know, he's just like, oh, fuck yeah. A little girl in here. This is awesome. You can just see the horny. He calls guy. her jailbait. He's a little creepy, right? Not to her face. But yeah, he um, she says, oh, I, I read one of your books. And now Peter's like, oh, he's like super oh, horny. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so then she once she like fixes the water by like, I don't even know, just like breathing on it or something. Um, she leaves and then Anna's like, oh, can you get enough of this stuff? Oh, and he's like, no, nah, that's jailbait. I'm not, he's not, I'm not trying to fuck her. I just wanted to, you know, then we see another shot from like the POV, right? But it's like, here's another weird shot of this movie. We see it starts on the, the arrows of the elevator. And then it does like this weird pan into a POV. So like, mm-hmm. so it's weird because it's like, it doesn't start from the POV, obviously, because they're in the elevator. Yeah. So we start on not POV and it just somehow turns into POV. And then the killer drops more envelope, another envelope under the door. Yeah. I mean, could just be an excuse just to do cool, interesting shots. You know, like, I think I it know. has to be, but they're but just confusing it's, shots. It's probably supposed to mean something. I feel like everything in this movie kind of has some kind of meaning or significance for the most part. Right. So then Peter sees the envelope that slipped under the door and cued the same detective music, right? Peter runs out looking for the perpetrator, nowhere to be found. He opens the envelope and it says in Latin, so passes the glory of Lesbos. And then she's like, what does it mean? And Peter says, it means that uh, whoever's, whoever's writing this stuff is smart. Pretty much. That's what he says. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of paraphrasing. It's a genius, criminal genius. Cause he knows Latin. <laughs> then he, he saw Latin written down and then wrote it here. And he's not just a guy who kills lesbians. He's a, <laughs> he's a learned scholar. That's right. Who's yeah. out butchering people. Yeah. He's kind of, he, he feels like it kind of starts to feel like Peter is like impressed by this guy in a way. Uh, but he, Peter gets a call at his hotel from the detective, uh, uh, Germani. Right. And, uh, Tells him that Tilda's been killed. And we, we, we cut to... And then we cut... Here's a funny thing to me right here, right? Because then we cut to Peter 
And I thought it was going to cut to him like with the detective, but he's, he's with Cristiano Berti, who was the book reviewer about to do the show, which I thought was a funny moment. They yeah. Could, right. Like, it was like an unspoken comedy moment where he was yeah. like, Oh my God, Tilda's been killed. Uh, hey, hi. Uh, my book is really good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just totally unfazed. Like, Oh, how horrible. Right. And so anyway, yeah, anyway, I got I got work to do. So then we're with uh, Cristiano and Cristiano's talking to uh, Peter about his book. And uh, Cristiano calls the character deviants and perverts in his book, right? And he's like, uh, and he says something about the human perversion and effects on society. And Peter's like, they're not, they're not deviants, you know, they're not deviants. But uh, you just feel like, oh, maybe, maybe this these guys, he's, he's about to get like torn apart in this show. We don't know. But then we see Agent Bulmer, and he's speaking with the detectives, and he, he's kind of just like, he's a sensitive guy, you know. Maybe like, don't put so much of this murder stuff on Peter, you know. Just kind of go easy on him. Am I yeah. right? the detective yeah 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 he's like uh he's also a, he's also a fan he also reads his books too oh that's right germani yeah yeah germani reads uh, he's a fan of his work but here's one of the worst cuts in film history do you did you notice this maybe which which one which cut are you referring to so this is agent bulmer and he's walking with the detectives and this is at 42 17 seconds you can see this they're walking down the hallway and then they do a hard cut to the same shot Oh, weird. So there's a wide of all three of them, the agent and the, the two detectives walking. And then he says some line and it cuts to the same shot with different lighting. Oh, so it's like a weird jump cut. It's a like, weird jump cut like, where they just were like, oh, maybe they fucked up that take and they only had this other take. And they're like, we got to get this other line in here. Yeah, it could have been, you know, like that. that is a weird like. I wonder if there'd be a reason they wanted to, if that was done purposefully. It's hard to think it was, though. It was just badly done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some uh, horror nerds will reach out about this one and, and yell at me for it. But uh, but yeah, it just yeah, looked obviously like a, it symbolizes the break in reality. You know, I mean, it could. I mean, who knows? Yeah, who maybe knows? that was a thing. But I, it, to me, it was just some bullshit line that they threw in there. And then it was just yeah. cut. I was just like, that was the worst cut I maybe have ever seen. Oh, yeah. Well, it, you know, that's a pretty bad one. Right. Uh, it's it really sounds, bad. You know, I didn't notice it, but uh, you can miss it in a blink. Oh, yeah. Uh, OK, so Detective Germani says to Peter after his his uh, television appearance, he's like, hey, just call me if anything happens. Now we're back with Peter in his uh, apartment. Right. The young daughter Maria is back at the door. She brings up a, another typewriter, which I, I'm not really understanding why there's two. Right. So she comes up and she's like, hey, we brought you a typewriter because you're a writer and you got to get work done. And he's like, oh, yeah, I already have one. And she's like, oh, okay, well, here you go. And uh, she just yeah. leaves a second. Duality. Right, yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> so um, then the assistant is like, uh, hey, can I walk you out? And, they're, and then they're all flirty, right? Um, so Peter then looks out the window and he and he thinks, he's like, that's that's my fiance, Jane, in the car in, in, huh. in, in Rome. Huh, this is weird. Anna, uh, she suggests that, you know, maybe Jane did the stuff to your bag. And he says, you really think Jane would do that? You know, seems weird. Anyways, so then Anna leaves, right? Leaves uh, him to ponder that. And then we see a shot of Maria and I think Gianni on a motorcycle. Yeah. So that's a part that this part kind of confuses me. So Gianni. Or, or she's just with her. Yeah. Some dude. He's on a. He has a helmet on, right? You yeah. So you really don't, see who you don't know who it is, but I guess it's not Gianni, but it's weird because. Maybe just like a random boyfriend. I think it's a random whatever. boyfriend, but they, he does. It's weird because she does leave with Gianni and then she drives away with this guy. So I was like. I guess Gianni has a motorcycle. Maybe. Yeah. But I don't think that that's what it was. I think it wasn't just a random. Now guy. they show him driving a car most of the time. Don't that's they? right. Yeah, that's right. 
but it just felt it was weird it was a weird thing yeah so anna looks up she sees peter just you know he's still looking out the window now we cut to the murderer looking at another photo of a woman uh, a prostitute right that's what it says on the file yeah we know it's the murderer just because we like it's a pov and we see the black gloves right, right it's we always that yes. they don't they haven't shown the murderer yet right we don't see the murderer we just see the pov uh and so that's this kind of the the thriller sort of like who done it aspect of it is like you don't know who the murderer is they don't show the murder all they show is black gloves that's right that's what that's what we're doing here folks so this is clearly what who is going to be the next victim um and we also see like there's a shot where like we can see that the the killer is in a place with a really nice pool you know it's like a nice yeah. home yeah, well, yeah, I made a note. Like the killer, uh, killer has a baller house. Yeah, the um, killer is fucking I killing want, it. I want his house. Yeah. Uh, so the murderer pulls up to the the prostitute in a car. She sees, uh, they see the the um, prostitute get into a man's car and drive away. Right, Maria. Uh, we're back with Maria, who is with, I guess, this random motorcycle guy. And that's the daughter of the landlord. Absolutely, Maria. it is, 100%. And so he just drops her off in the middle of nowhere because they're, like, fighting, right? Yeah, right. So, she gets in an argument, gets off the motorcycle. Right. She's like, he's, she just gets off, and then she's immediately chased by this crazy Doberman. Yeah. It's I mean, like, just a fucking crazy, yeah, it's aggressive. Yeah, just barking at her by this fence. And yeah. And then it jumps the hops fence. like this fucking 10-foot-tall fence. It hops so many fences. It's unbelievable yeah i was gonna say this dog is like the fucking t-1000 chasing you like, it it's is just it, relentless that, most relentless crazy dog it's a perfect uh comparison because i i i'm like how many they had to have gotten several dobermans to jump all these fences i mean if there were that Maybe. one dog i mean that's incredible yeah. it jumped so high so many times yeah yeah it jumps it climbs it like and she just keeps like jumping fences and it keeps it's like a, it's, the fence. it's like the raptor in a, like a jurassic park movie yeah I mean, it's like stalking her it's insane yeah like bites her like tears her arm up yeah you know tears her leg up like, yeah she's bleeding all over the place she keeps running hit it with wood and yeah. stuff and it just keeps coming yeah like, she's running through the woods she like uh she jumps a like we said she jumps a fence jump dog jumps the fence now she arrives at this nice home with a pool mm-hmm. so we're kind of like i think that's the pool that we just saw so um not looking good for maria nope so then she's attacked by the dog once more finally gets into the house it's quiet she flips on a light she calls for help no one is there right but she, maria finds uh, all these pictures of women who have been murdered and she starts freaking out and all yeah. these documents and stuff. Yeah, she like uh, she grabs a bunch of them. I think it's like assuming to bring to the cops as evidence, right? Yeah, she just shoves them pretty much in her pants. Yeah, she's got like pockets on her. She's wearing like a pink pencil skirt. Right, which, which is a thing. Uh, is the same thing that the shoplifter was wearing earlier on. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Didn't even put that two things together. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of that. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So uh, she's planning on trying to save the day right so she tries to escape finds the door now we're in like this very nice home like this like you said this baller uh super nice suite yeah and and it was a notably shot in like these suburbs of rome that were built by mussolini oh good lord uh and uh you know it's set in rome but you don't see any normal like roman landmarks it's all like kind of like modern looking architecture and stuff right and so she's in one of those living rooms with, uh, for the murder. It's just this beautiful home. And, uh, so she gets on the phone, tries to call the police, but then she's approached by a shadowy figure and she turns around. She says, please help me, help me. Uh, and the murderer calls her a spy whispering. Yeah. Spy, spy, spy. And then, uh, 
chases her outside, right? She runs, but she keeps falling down, which is a classic trope. Yeah, well, she she slams the door on his arm initially, causes him to drop his razor. That's right. The, yes. straight razor in the water. That's right. And so then he just grabs a piece of wood, which mm-hmm. that's what it looks like. And then uh, he chases her down, and it turns out that piece of wood is an axe. Yeah, and I think she's falling because she was fucked up by that dog. I was like, oh, is this one of the times where it makes sense that she can't run very well? Absolutely. Because she's already all fucked up and bleeding from these multiple dog attacks. She did get fucked up. But if I were her, I would have just looked straight ahead because she kept looking oh, yeah. back. <laughs> Bad move. Oh, yeah. You got to just sprint as oh, yeah. fast as you can but in she that situation. Is, also, one thing she did, which I thought was uh, hilarious, was she started throwing the pictures at the killer yeah right like uh which i don't know if you guys know but if you just throw sheets of paper they don't go very far no and they don't <laughs> not gonna stop anybody unless he's no. gonna be like oh i have to pick all these up right <laughs> yeah, he's like he has an axe can't just leave hand. these yeah uh so we're with peter and uh detective germani who reads another note from the murderer oh did we say what happens to her though oh okay so yeah she gets murdered yeah she gets axed yeah she gets axed right? big time so she is murdered, and then we see a shot of like a, a lawnmower, like the landscapers the next morning, oh, yeah. finding her body. Yep. And then we cut to uh, Peter and Detective Germani uh, back at the apartment, I believe, who reads another note from the murderer, another quote from his book, um, something about trying to eliminate the human perverts, right? So Germani tells him uh, to stay in his apartment because uh, this message targets him personally. And so now Peter is with Gianni and Anna in the apartment. We kind of do a jump cut here, right? To a later time. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out this case. Hmm. Really thinking. And, and, and Peter's like talking about this human perversion and effects on society. And he's like, that's something that Cristiano was talking about before that interview. He used those exact words. And so Peter says, Cristiano lives nearby. And Peter really, Peter's like, I want to solve this murder, man. He's like, yeah, how he's, great would it be? He's like, you know, he's a murderer. So he's like, yeah. He's a murder film he, novelist or he's, he's a, a murder novelist, murder yeah, novelist, like mystery kind of like murder, you know, right. you know, giallo novels, which are like started out being like uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, Agatha Christie, uh, all those like detective stuff that like the noir movies were based on is like what spawned the giallo. Oh, cool thing in Italy. Yeah. And so he's like thinking like, I want to be, I want to, how cool would it be if like this murder novelist. Yeah, solves, solves the murder, murder, which is a duality with him and the detective because the detective like reads these murder novels and now the murder novelist is trying to be a detective. Yeah, it's a whole thing where everything is kind of self-reflexive or. Yeah, the, ty- know, the like, typewriters, yeah. the two typewriters. Yeah, yeah, two typewriters, really. <laughs> uh, so Anna's, Anna's kind of like worried for Peter. She's kind of like, oh, you're freaking out, you know. And then they leave, right? And so they go leave and they drive by like where all the cops are at the house. And they're like, we'll wait till they get off their shift and then we'll, we'll go in. That's that's uh, Gianni, the assistant of the agent and Peter. And so Anna's back at the, apart- at the apartment. She's watching the news and she hears the murderer say the next victim will be the great corruptor, uh, which I didn't really understand what was going on there. The great corruptor, I think, is uh, a reference to Peter Neal. Gotcha. Oh, I want to mention the fucking news reporter, too. Oh, please. So there's a news reporter uh, on the TV and he's at the scene of where is it? Maria. Is that her name? Has just been murdered. Yep. Uh, And he's got bits like, Oh yeah. Where are his bits? Yeah. He says the killer says the next victim will be the great corruptor. And uh, as a result, several prominent politicians and businessmen have left the city. That's right. That's right. He thinks he's so hilarious. Right. Doing bits at this grisly murder scene yeah that's a great detail though you know i dig that it's like a funny little detail yeah i think it might have been a reference to one of uh argento's earlier movies too 
Nice. A lot of a lot of him referencing himself. himself. Yeah, which we love to see that. Okay, so we cut to Anna. She's heading to her car. She sees like a homeless guy who like makes some noise, startles her, and then he laughs at her. Not really relevant, but it happened. Yeah, another scary homeless guy. Another scary. Because there can't just be one. No, and homeless people are terrifying. And that I'm saying that hopefully everyone understands something. You can that, hear you can hear the sarcasm. Yeah, and hopefully you guys heard that. So then she sees Jane. Anna sees Jane. And Jane gets in her car and she calls for Jane. Hey, Jane, what are you doing? Come back. And then Jane drives away, right? Now we cut to, to Gianni and Peter who are about to sneak into the yard of this house where the last murder was ha- uh, happened, right? And we see a shot of the murderer in, uh, destroying evidence, from right? So we see a shot of that like POV and they're destroying stuff. And, and oh, they're yeah. destroying the knife, uh, the blade, right? They're destroying pictures, burning oh, them. Yeah, notably before this scene, there's a shot of like this pointy mirrored like art piece yes that, and then like they like, kind of glints like a blade in the apartment right yeah 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 so what was that about that's like uh you know it, well we'll get to it later i'll come back to it later okay okay it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a turning point in the movie gotcha so we do We're see supposed it supposed to symbolize anyway good i'm glad you called that out because i was just like i don't know what that meant and uh we'll move on then the the boys see a silhouette of a man in a window right and they're like oh who's this man it's cristiano and they see him in his living room gianni says Hey, I'm going around back. Let's split up. Not a good idea. Never in a situation like this. You always want to stick together. You never split up. Never split up. So then Gianni watches uh, Cristiano from the bushes. And then Cristiano's kind of looking through documents, you know, around the place. And he says, who's there? Who? You scared, right? Yeah, right. Someone's. And then someone approaches him and says, it was me. I killed them all. Something like that. And then an axe comes straight down into Cristiano's head. Yep. And he's fucking murdered. So then Gianni is like traumatized, he runs away, finds Peter. Peter's been knocked out with a rock and he picks him up. He's like, we got to go. We got to go. And he gets in the car. They, they're driving away in the car. And, and he's like, so what happened? And Gianni's like, I saw a, I fucking saw a murder. You know, he can't handle it. It's too much for him. He's just a kid. Yeah. He's a, he's just trying to be a fucking uh, literary agent. You know, right. he's just an intern. He might not even get bit, getting paid for this. Yeah. Like, and now he's, a, you know, he's, he's a dutiful intern, too. He's just trying to help out the yeah, whole time. He's a time. nice guy. And he's witness to murder now. And so they get back to the apartment and Anna's like, you guys got to call the police. I mean, this is crazy. And he's like, nah, nah, don't worry about it. I'm fine. You know, that's Peter. He's like, oh, my head's fine. It was just smashed with a rock. We saw a murder happen. It's not a big deal. Yeah. What? A, like, what are you going to call the cops? Yeah. He's like, I write about one this little stuff murder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a writer. <laughs> so um, uh, then Gianni drives home. We see a shot of, shot of him driving home and he's just like, he can't, he's crying. I mean, he can't get this shit out of his head. He's really freaking yeah, out. Yeah. Really traumatized. I feel really bad for the kid. So then we're back with Anna and Peter and, and Peter, I mean, we're with Peter and he's like, I'm going to try to fuck my assistant. Right. That's where he's at. Yeah. Gianni's crying about uh, being traumatized by a murder. P- Peter's like, I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they start smooching and she's like, oh, it's been six years. I mean, oh, if we wake up in the morning, can, she says something about maybe like, let's forget about it in the morning or something. Yeah. Or maybe, uh-huh. maybe don't forget about it or something like that. Uh, either one, forget or don't. So then we black out. Then we see a close-up of a of an eye in red. And we're back with the lady in the red heels. Yep. Right? So it's kind of weird dreamy sequence going on here. Yeah. That was the lady from the beach scene before with the That's three right. dudes. And the boobs and the, the porn kneel position. Uh, there's like a guy who is with her. And then he just kind of says, like, I'll be right back. We don't hear anything, but he leaves. And then from the bushes comes out this creepy POV and then shoves a knife in her belly. Yeah. And then she's dead. Right. So this woman stabs her a bunch of times, stabs her a bunch of times. She's murdered. 
Now we cut to Peter and he's with his agent, Agent Bulmer in the office, right? And Bulmer's like, wow, I can't believe Cristiano was murdered. That was crazy, you know? And Peter's like, I want to go to Paris, you know, because I got to get out of here. This is crazy. The detectives are telling me to go. I got to go. And Bulmer's like, but we're about to make this big deal. There's a big thing that's going on. And then Peter's like, in his life, in his, he's like, what about my life? You yeah, know? he's like, you know, this guy wants to murder me and he's been murdering everybody. Right. And you just care about the money. So he just, Peter kind of gives him a, a look and he's like, I'm going to get out of here. You know, kind of like, like Bulmer, you just lost a client, buddy. Yeah. Which, and really, honestly, if you're an agent, you know, uh, there's a certain point where you got to just say like, all right, we can put this on hold. Yeah. Because if he's murdered, then you're not making no money. Yeah. Right. Or maybe you'll make more. Yeah. You fucking creep. Anyways, so Peter walks out. Bulmer lets this woman into this woman into his office, and it's Jane. It's Jane, Joe. Oh, okay. So she's Peter's fiance. We saw her in the beginning of the movie, uh, and then Jane and Bulmer start making out. So they're a couple, and she says, "I wonder if he knows about us. I hear his voice through the wind or through the door, and I just wonder if he knows." Bulmer says, "No, there's no way he knows. Let's meet for lunch, right?" Yeah. <laughs> Bulmer, he's a he's a fedora guy, you know. He's got everything under control. Yeah, he's got this great hat that doesn't fall off. Uh, so, cut to Peter and Gianni in the car again. Gianni says, "I'm not I'm not going to that house, right? Because they're they're clearly they're heading back to that house." Gianni's like, "I can't go," and he's so traumatized. He's so traumatized, Joe, that Gianni goes right through a stop sign, and he causes a almost people to hit and kill each other. Another car wreck. Another car wreck. So he just drops Peter off at Cristiano's place. And, uh, and, but it's not like there's anything going on right there. It's a crime scene, right? So there's detectives yeah. there. Detective G- Germani shows Peter like the files that he, you know, that are, have been you know splayed about the apartment. He's like, it looks like, uh, this guy was interested in you as much as the killer was, you know, he's got all these files, these personal files about you. And so then they're like talking about the murder, right. And all this stuff. And then Peter's just like, I'm missing one small part of the puzzle, you know, or just one small piece that I need. And he quotes this Conan Doyle book. And he says, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. And then Detective Germani says, the Hound of the Baskervilles. Because that's how they connect, these two guys. Yeah. They're both avid readers. Yeah. Both, you know, hey, that's how, that's how I, you know, I connect with my acupuncturist. He's a big comedy fan. That's right. Big comedy fan, big uh, uh, needle guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Peter's like, the chain of killings, it just doesn't make sense, you know? The truth is always possible, right? So Detective Germani is like, why don't you just, you got to leave town. Peter's like, oh, I was just about to do that. So we cut to Jane. Which uh, good idea. He's finally reacting to these murders. Like, okay, maybe. Yeah, it's getting a little too out of my hands. People here. are just getting murdered left and right. Right. Maybe it's not safe. Yeah, good idea, buddy. So then we cut to Jane arriving at her home, right? And she finds a package. This is the first time we're ever with Jane, really. So she finds a package on her doorstep with her name on it. It's a nice bright red package. She opens it up and inside the red heels, the red heels. Dun, dun, dun. Crazy. What is going on here? So then we cut to a public courtyard, like this, like big public, like shopping mall place outside. Right. And we're with agent Bulmer. Who's like looking around, I guess for Jane. Right. Cause he wants to meet yeah. for, with Jane. And like, you notice that there's like a couple arguing and mm-hmm. another direction. There's a random dudes fighting and random dudes fighting. And then there's like a, a kid, Little like kid who keeps like kicking his ball at him. Like, yeah. 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 So a lot of stuff just going on. Yeah. It's a lot of, yeah. And, and then we see a POV, which we think of as probably the killer again. Right. And uh, the killer goes into a bar and gets a glass of water. And then we see uh, some white pills. So this killer takes more pills. And um, 
the agent is looking around the courtyard, right? And that's when he sees, you know, he sees the women. The, the breakup is like this, this guy just breaks up with this woman and leaves her sobbing in this public space, really loud, really big and crazy. Yeah. Isn't she walking toward him? Yeah. Too? And then, so she, then she gets up and she starts walking towards Bulmer for some reason from a distance and, and he, and she's just sobbing. And then suddenly the, a, a, a figure approaches right from POV and then fucking uh, stabs Bulmer. So Bulmer in broad daylight in front of this busy, crazy place is murdered. Yeah. Then we see, right? So the, all this, and the crowd starts forming around this murdered guy. We don't, so that was a callback to Hitchcock. Like, is it? Yeah. I'm not sure what movie though. Okay. Well, someone knows out there. Yeah. And so then we see the red heels with a white dress walk up to where the crowd is, kind of look upon the murder scene and then walk away. Right. So then. We cut to Anna and Peter in uh, the apartment. Peter's getting ready to leave for the airport. Um, Detective Germani calls and Anna answers. And she's like, hey, Peter already left. Uh, but he's probably calling to be like, hey, someone else was murdered. You know, this is kind of crazy. Just make sure he's getting out of here. Then Gianni arrives to say goodbye to him. And then we see a shot of the airplane taken off to imply that Peter on his way to Paris. So Gianni arrives at now. Now, Gianni himself, little guy. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a nighttime storm, you know. He gets to uh, Cristiano's place by himself. Then he goes and he hops the fence. And and when he hops the fence, we see the gloved hands remove keys from an ignition. And then Gianni approaches the home and makes his way inside through the broken glass. He sees visions of the murder right in his head. And he's like, he's just so traumatized by this stuff. But then he sees in his vision, Cristiano saying himself, I killed them. I killed them all. So the original time that Gianni saw it, he, he just didn't capture it right. But he's realizing now that it was Gian, uh, Cristiano who said those yes, things. The book reviewer. The book reviewer, yes. And so he runs back to his car, reaches for the keys in his ignition, and they're gone, right? That's what the killer did. You can't leave your keys in your fucking ignition, Gianni. No, who does that? Huge mistake, which no one would ever do. No, because it kills the battery too, doesn't it? Yeah. I called him an idiot. I wrote those in my notes. And then, so then, or stupid Gianni, stupid Gianni. Then, uh, black gloves come around with a rope, fucking strangle, garroted, just, just strangle him good. And then he turns around and he gets a look at the murderer that we don't see, but he's shocked, right? And then he dies. So then the killer goes and grabs uh, their axe, which is like hidden in a tree. We see a shot of that, right? Uh, now we're with Anna in the apartment. She gets a call from Jane. And she's and Jane says on the phone, she says, there are two people in me. It just takes me over. Uh, you know, she's freaking out like that. She says, I need help. Help me before I kill myself. Right. And so Anna's like, yeah. I, I got to go. It, it seems very manipulative. Too. It seems you know, it's manipulative. Like, yeah. You're like, is she really, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, it was it, a weird scene. Oh yeah. It was a very weird scene. And you're like, I guess at this point you're thinking, I mean, Jane's the killer, right? She's cause she says two people and she says, I'm sorry for what I did and all this weird stuff. Uh, Anna, it's Anne, right? So Anne goes uh, over to Jane's to help her, right? So she's just in the car. We cut to the detectives at the, the <clears throat> we cut to the detectives at the police station. They find that the murderer has killed again, right? And there's also just two random guys fighting in the police station. Yeah, there's two again. random just to be like we're in a police station, I guess. This yeah, is just what to happens. make the world, you know, every everything, every opportunity to make the world seem chaotic, they take it. And uh, I'll get back to that, the reasoning for that. Okay, great. Oh, oh yeah, and then they're like, also the agent, the the um, you know, Bulmer had a girlfriend, the Spanish woman, 
And um, then we cut back to Jane, you know, and Jane is at her home, right? Jane's pacing around her apartment or her home with the with a gun, just nervously holding a gun. She hears some noise. She calls for Anne. Anne, and she we see a window swing open, right? But was it anything? Was it another nothing? We don't know. Then Anne drives up to Jane's place, and then we cut back to Jane. And she's sitting at her table, right? She's just waiting with her gun nervously, and then through the window next to her. An axe comes down and chops off Jane's arm. Chops it just right the fuck off. Just, ooh, clean cut. And this is like, this is the most violent scene of the film. Oh, yeah. That's the one that they had to cut, you know, for to get it, you know, shown in a lot of places. Oh, really? It makes a lot of sense because it is brutal. Yeah. The movie was on the video nasties list in England, which was a list of banned movies. Oh, that's incredible. Like during the Thatcher era. I mean, it's a great, it's a great moment. Blood just spews fucking, it's like a Tarantino. It's spraying like a fountain. Yeah. It's crazy. All over the, and she like turns to the wall. We just like paint the walls. Yeah. Fucking Jackson Pollock style. Super fun moment. And then we, we, we flash back to the, to the red heels uh, lady being murdered and her shoes being stolen. So we didn't see that shot before, but her shoes were stolen. Right. Which we kind of assumed, but. We didn't know it was right after the murder. So Anne arrives to Jane's and uh, Anne is immediately axed to death, right? And then the killer enters with the axe, right? We see shot of the feet and then we pan up slowly. Oh, we're about to find out who the killer is. It's, it's Peter. The murderer is Peter, Joe. This is a big moment. Yeah, that's a big reveal. Big, big Shocking, reveal. You know, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming either. I did not. And then we, uh, he bends down to Anne and he's like, oh no, oh no. Eh." And then he realizes, oh, it wasn't Anne. It was Detective Altieri. Who was wearing almost the exact same outfit. And I noticed they both had like kind of caked on makeup to make them look as similar as possible. They looked very, very similar. They were dressed almost identically. Yes. And so then Anne enters with Detective Germani and Germani points the gun at Peter and he says, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, even the improbable, must be the truth. Peter says, I didn't kill. I didn't kill the other women. You know, I didn't do it. And Germani says, I know. That would be impossible. And Peter says, I realize that Cristiano was the killer. And he laughs, starts laughing maniacally, right? He says, didn't take me long to realize that. The rest was like writing a book. A book. Right? He's freak. He's just lost his fucking mind. Oh, yeah. And that like uh, that uh, art piece, that pointy like mirrored art piece was supposed to be the turning point where uh, it goes from Cristiano being the killer to Peter being the killer. Ah, that's where it changes. Nice. Yeah, there's a nice little glint. I like that. That's great. That's a cool moment. So Germani says the razor killer was dead, but you wanted him to live on to kill your fiance and her lover. The two people that you hated most. Germani gets him up to arrest him, right? He says, come with me. And then Peter, in the last moment, pulls out a razor, cuts his own throat in front of everybody. Yeah, really gnarly. Too. Just brutal. Just disgusting. And blood. And he's really like, looks like he's oh, really digging him. He really razor. gets in there. He's, I don't want to fuck this up. No. So Anne screams, no, crazy. Ah, she's sobbing. Germani gets Anne out of there. He grabs her. Let's get into the car. He run through the rain. They get into the car. Germani gets on the radio. He's like, it's over. We did it. You know, and just sobs. She's just fucking out of her mind. And uh, which, you know, justifiably so. Totally understandable. And uh, Germani is like, look, he said he found this out this evening. Some more intel. When Peter Neal was a teenager, a girl he knew was brutally murdered. Someone accused him. There was no evidence. If it was him, the act must have twisted his mind. 
And he was, that was in his book. And he says, he quotes, he says, now he realized that any obstacle or, or humiliation standing in his way could be swept aside by one simple act, annihilation, murder. And Anne just, just sobbing. She's just, I cannot handle this. Yeah. And that's the girl from those weird flashbacks on the beach and the girl who gets stabbed. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's what it's, that's what we're referring to here. Yep. And then Germani's, uh, Germani's like, Hey, why don't you, uh, Anne, you calm down. It's over. Right. Not, yeah, it's fine. It's Quit fine. Crying. What the, are you? <laughs> I know you just witnessed uh, a murder and suicide, but shut up. Yeah. How? Why, why are you expressing so many emotions? It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> even though we just in a room filled, <laughs> covered in blood, and pieces blood of people everywhere. So, and my partner's just been axed to death. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't really. It doesn't really phase me. This is just part of the business. So, Germani's like, wait here. I'm going to go back inside. And uh, wait for the others to get here. And uh, so he leaves Anne in the car. And uh, then he goes back into the house. And Detective looks around. Peter's gone. The body is not there. So then he leans down. He picks up the blade, right? And he he feels the blade. The blade's dull. There's no blade on this blade. And then he presses a button that produces fake blood that shoots out of it. Yeah, it's like a a trick, like prop straight razor from a play or something. Right. And then we have this shot, right? We have this shot of the front of Germani's face, right? And you kind of feel like, well, you know, Peter's probably going to be behind him, right? Yeah. And then he bends down to pick up something else. It's like a handkerchief that has like Peter Neal's initials on it or something. That's right. He bends down to pick it up. And when he bends down, we see that Peter is right behind him. And then he stands back up, covering Peter again, right? And then as he starts to walk away, Peter picks up the axe and and just axes Germani in the back. And when Germani falls, he knocks over this big-ass metal art piece that just falls in front of the front door. Yeah, which is just made up of sharp cones all kind of stacked up. It's like a big arrangement of just... Yeah, just a weird one. But yeah. it makes sense, you know? Looks like something someone would make. Kind of, you know, there's like two sh- like just unreasonably sharp art pieces <laughs> right. in this movie. Yeah. And so then this is enough for Anne, which I thought was a little silly, to hear through the rain, in the car, doors shut. She's like, oh, yeah, something's going on. And maybe she heard the detective cry out when he got axed or something. Right. But it just was kind of like, I don't yeah. know, it seemed far. It was rain. It was pouring rain. But anyways, I'll let him have it. So... She gets out of the car and she's like, I got to go over here and figure out what's going on. You know, then she tries to get into the house, but the the door, the front door, it's blocked by this big art piece. Right. And so she's trying to get in there, you know, and Peter's lining up with the axe. He's like ready to get her. And then so she finally gets the door open and it's enough to hit her pushing the door open and him coming towards her with the axe is enough uh, velocity to propel a piece of the art piece through his abdomen. So we get a piece of the art piece impales Peter right to the wall, right? Right to the wall, pins him to the wall. And then he's just like, Oh, oh, and he's like trying to get this fucking thing out. He's trying to pull it out, but it's fucking, he can't get it. It's stuck in there. His hands are slipping. It's a big nasty piece of metal just stuck right through. He's uh, really trying to pull it out. Yeah. Like one of those butterflies that, you know, creepy science nerds like put on nails in like a little, yeah case yeah yeah and so he's reaching he's just trying uh, uh, and then he's and then he just fucking he's dead right for real this time for real this time his fucking his face freezes in, in agony you know and and then Anne just screams she's just screaming oh my god ah she's like against the the door frame just like hugging the door frame screaming and that 
is the end of the film. Yeah. Roll credits. Boom. Great. Great ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the end, the whole, the, the last like 20 minutes, 25 minutes of this movie really pay off. Yeah. You know, and like, I think that, that shot where, you know, he's he, the detective leans down and he's right behind him is another, like just, uh, just really just rubbing in that whole, like they're two sides of the same thing. Like, yeah, you know, cause the detective's trying to solve it like a, the way a murder novelist thinks and the murder novelist is trying to be detective. And right. Right. The killer. And, yeah, it's all a commentary on Argento being <laughs> accused of sexism, and people, you know, would say like, you know, he's a creepy guy. You know, they think he is a murderer and stuff. Right. So the That's whole thing crazy. was kind of him going like, "Well, what if, you know, what if I was?" Yeah, I like that part of Argento. I yeah. like that part of. It. I like I like the commentary. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I like the sexist part of Argento. I don't like that he put his daughter as uh, boobs in a movie. That's weird, but. Yeah, well, he. I don't think he thinks he's sexist, which you know they rarely do. Right, <laughs> right. No, but I mean, I. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a movie that. Yeah, throughout it, I was like, all right. I don't know. I mean, it didn't feel as like like the fog was like like we said the rhythm was really up. It was really popping the whole time. There was never a dull moment. Yeah. There were moments here where I was like a little bit kind of like all right, like what what are we doing here? You know, like it slogged a little bit, but it did. The pacing wasn't the worst. It really wasn't like a boring movie. Yeah, yeah, I think it moves pretty good, yeah. you know, and like the parts where it gets weird and slow, I think they, for the most part, are not like without reason. Sure. So, uh, yeah, what else you got? You got any any interesting uh, notes? Yeah, a couple interesting notes. Uh, first of all, the title, uh, Tenebrae. Tenebrae. Uh, total darkness in Latin. It uh, comes from a ceremony in the Roman Catholic Church. So, of course, everybody in Italy would be pretty familiar with this. It takes place Easter week. Uh, it starts with the church illuminated by 15 candles mm. uh, and they are representing uh, Jesus's disciples. Right. Yes. And they, you know, blow them out one by one. So the first one I think is supposed to be Judas and they go through all of them. Got to get Judas out of there. And uh, it leaves the church in total darkness. The last one symbolizes, you know, Jesus dying on the cross. Mm. So it's like, uh, you know, uh, and then they they just end the the service there. Everyone just leaves the church in darkness and silence. Ooh, that's uh, intense. That yeah, and it's dramatic. supposed to represent like you know how when Jesus died, the world's in chaos, all right. hope is lost, and right. that's kind of what is reflected in the the world that Tenebrae takes place in. Right. A lot of this, by the way, from the last drive-in. Sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Hey, well, that's great. Credit them. You know, that's great. Yeah. I want to, I credit my sources, you know, I'm not trying to, I, I did not come up with most of this on my own. No, no, that would be incredible. Yeah. No, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not that good of a film scholar. No, we don't dig uh, that deep. You know, Joe Bob, he, he literally would call the, the filmmakers and ask them these questions. Thank you for Joe Bob. Yeah. Uh, Argento says the movie was based on a real life incident that happened to him. Oh, so okay. he was in LA and he was staying in a hotel every he was doing publicity for a movie or something. Yeah. And he was getting calls in his hotel room from an obsessed fan. Ah, yes. Classic. And he started out, you know, talking to this person, whatever, but then the calls got like more frequent and they got creepier and weirder. Yeah. So he changed his room, changed his phone number, changed hotels. And this person would always just track him down. Nice. I'm always impressed by those people as creepy as they are. Yeah. And so the, the last word, the final words from the last time he spoke to this caller were, uh, the best day of my life is going to be the day that I kill you. Good Lord. No. Yeah. And you know, uh, Dario and Nicolodi 
backs this story up. She says it really happened. I believe it. It's not the it's not the most outlandish story. I mean, um, fans can be crazy. Yeah, you know, and like he was coming off of his uh, one of his worst failures was the movie he ra- made right before Tenebrae, which was Inferno. Mm. The one he made before that was Suspiria, which was his is probably to this day his most highly regarded movie. Gotcha. And most well known. Interesting. So this is like an obsessed fan who was like fucking furious. Wow. So it made me wonder, like, did he make Tenebrae to appease this person to try to keep them from murdering him? Right. I mean, that, I don't that, know. I mean, I, if, they, if someone said that to me, um, I would never forget it. And I would be uh, terrified all the time. Yeah. Right. Like that would really, I mean, that would fuck me up pretty bad. Yeah. Like, I'd be fucked up by that one. Yeah. So I think, you know, the best directors, they make movies about what scares them. And obviously like, uh, right. you know, the idea that a, he could be a creepy serial killer himself, you know, I right, think it's right. probably a pretty scary thing to think about as a, you know, a filmmaker. Right. Uh, and who knows, you know, <laughs> maybe he's got bodies buried somewhere. We, we really don't. Know. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. You know. But uh, hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully not. he's hope just, uh, you know. I wouldn't hope that anybody. He's just a guy might. who likes to make scary movies. But yeah. Only other uh, quick interesting note that I have is Detective. What's his name? Germani. Yeah. yeah. So that actor, uh, when he was a toddler, uh, was playing outside and found an old mine from World War II on the ground and it blew up in his face. No fucking so way. So if you notice, his face has some uh, scars and stuff on it from that incident. Holy shit. All right. Well, I'm glad his face is okay. Yeah. Well, Argento still alive, still making movies. Is he really? Yeah. All right, Argento. I hope your daughter's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for making these movies. Yeah, we'll get we'll get some more of his stuff. Yeah. No, I liked it. Know. I'd like to see more. Yeah. Um. Okay, guys. Well, that was episode four. Hopefully, it was a good one. You know? I, I think it was. All right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was good. Okay. Good. What do you think? I don't know. I had a lot of information. I hope I didn't make it too boring. No. No. I think it's good, guys. Please. Um. You know. Uh, thanks for everything. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to uh, the only horror movie podcast. Yep, the only option you got. Uh, we 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 appreciate you so much, and we will see you uh, or uh, we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. Yes, follow us on Instagram. The only horror movie podcast won't be hard to find. Goodbye. <laughs>